0: So, about our first speaker, Stacy Washington is the host of Stacy on the Right on Sirius XM Patriot Channel 125 and the Communications Director for Family Vision Media. Stacy is the co chair of Project 21, which promotes the views of conservative black Americans. She was an elected school board member, she's a decorated Air Force veteran, a marksman, and the Second Amendment Foundation's 2018 journalist of the year. She may be packing today, I don't know. Her topic, the Trojan horse of critical race theory. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome (laughs) Stacy Washington.
1: Okay, so I'm super tall, let's see how this works out. Um, I wanna start out by First of all, I have a question for you. I'm going to ask you the question now, and then you can answer it later after I've gotten done speaking. And the question is, whose job is it to indoctrinate the children of America? Whose job is it to indoctrinate America's children? So keep that in your mind. And I want to give you a quote now uh, by late Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia. He said, if I have brought any message today, it is this. Have the courage to have your wisdom regarded as stupidity. Be fools for Christ and have the courage to suffer the contempt of the sophisticated world. At no time has that ever been more true than now, even though he made that speech uh, probably 15 or 20 years ago. So let's talk about the Trojan horse. Who doesn't know the story of the Trojan horse? You have The Greeks, they wanna conquer Troy, but it has a walled city, it's fortified. They know they can't take it. So they make these these beautiful people (laughs) a gift of a huge wooden horse. They roll it into their city within the walls. But inside, quietly, are warriors hidden inside the horse. So in the evening, when the city goes dark and the walls are shut tightly and everything is safe, These warriors climb out of the horse, open the gates, and allow the army to enter, and the city of Troy falls. So critical race theory, under the guise of its previous names, is that Trojan horse. Because it comes as a gift. It's supposed to teach children and adults about their privilege. It's supposed to tear down the walls that exist between us because of race and it's supposed to make everyone get along better that's the way they package it that's the way they sell it to administrators who then sell it to teachers who then sell it to parents and unbeknownst to those parents the teachers have already been selling it to their children so is it is it a gift or is it something that will climb out and spread inside of our school systems and open the gates for destruction of our children's innocence and our way of life. I think that's exactly what it is. So think about the experiment that is America. This is the only nation on the planet where you can show up from any other nation speaking any other language, and all you have to do is enter lawfully, learn our Constitution, take a small test, and swear fealty to our flag, and then you become an American. I grew up in Germany and in Germany if you live there but you're from another country and you're living there permanently and paying taxes to Germany, you're actually a third country national or an expat. At no point, even if you gain German citizenship, do you actually become a German because being a German is actually a type, it's a people group and it's, it's your ancestry. <laughs> um, it's, it's what we would call an ethnicity here but Obviously, you can't just become a German. You can speak German, you can live there your whole life, but you're never a German. You just have citizenship there and you pay taxes and you're an expat. In America, we don't call people who live here, even illegally, we don't call them third country nationals. At some point, they become Americans. They have green cards, they have a lawful permanent status, temporary permanent status. I mean, we, we have lots of different names for it, but you're never from a third country living in our country. So, in a country like that, in a place like that where you can become an American as opposed to just living here and paying taxes, you would think that unity would come easy to us. And it used to. But now that everything is seen through the lens of this or this, we don't have that unity. So I wonder, why would American leftists want to destroy that bond? Because a house divided against itself cannot stand. If Americans are divided against themselves, we can be destroyed from within or without. In fact, it's much more likely that we will be destroyed from within because of our strong national defense, our First Amendment, our Second Amendment, and so many other things that God placed here for us to protect us from outside invaders. So what is CRT? It's actually rooted in Marxist theory. See, Karl Marx believed that class conflict was the way to break down a society and usher in socialism and the paradigm that he felt would lead to a utopia. His solution to the imbalance of power between the workers and the people who provide the jobs and the the royals and individuals who had a lot of wealth was to introduce class conflict. His solution was actually revolution. He thought that if he made workers aware of their plight, they would seize the means of production overthrow the capitalist class and usher in this new socialist society. So during the 20th century, we had many socialist governments in the Soviet Union, China, Cambodia, Cuba, and elsewhere, rack up a body count of hundreds of millions of people who were killed because wherever you implement socialism, you have starvation, degradation, poverty, and then you have to punish the people who are noticing how horrible socialism is. You have to wipe them away. You have to stop them from talking about the times when there were plenty. You have to shut them up. And so you have brutality. In fact, wherever socialism is implemented, you have the unleashed brutality of man on full display. And it's something that we in America never thought we would ever have to face. I mean, why would a capitalist country founded on Judeo-Christian principles with, we're in the land of milk and honey, we have the utmost in prosperity and opportunity here, why would we ever be susceptible to that? So fast forward from Karl Marx's day to today, where you have everyone suddenly becoming aware of something called critical race theory. They're learning about it from their kids who are coming home and saying, I don't want my privilege anymore, or why are you and dad and are my grandparents racist? The parents are feeling a little confused because they thought they were gonna be talking about reading, writing, math, social studies, you know, civics, whatever has to do with education, and instead their children are coming home talking about race, 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 race. So while the kids are getting their first dose, Our troops on active duty, instead of getting diversity training, which is what I received when I was on active duty, but that was 20 years ago, now they're getting critical race theory. Someone has to be to blame for the poverty and degradation we see in the inner cities of America. And it's not Democrats who rule those cities uninterrupted for decade upon decade. It has to be some white guy. It has to be some old white guy that's magically controlling everything from way off in the distance, and we just can't seem to overcome him. Even though we live in America, where we've been taught, if you were raised in church, that God is sovereign, he is the ultimate authority, and if there's anything wrong in your life, you look within, you repent, you turn away from it, and wow, look how things improve when you ask the Lord to help you. We all know this, but that's not what they want our children to know. So, we have the troops getting subjected to that. And now we even have at Coca-Cola and other major companies this same indoctrination being leveled at employees. People who've worked together for 10, 15, 20 years, side by side, never caring that one was white or black or Hispanic or anything else, are now being told to suddenly look at their coworker and say, you have privilege because you live in a different part of town than I do. Or you have, you're a victim because you're black, even though you may live three minutes away from me in the suburbs in a very nice neighborhood and you're doing well for yourself. This is what we're meant to do, is to look at each other and either blame or see a victim. So if you resist this, if you say no, this is my coworker, our children are in the same school, then you're a racist. How dare you stand up against this indoctrination? How dare you express your own opinion? How dare you access the First Amendment with your own little mouth? Sit down, racist, or you'll be fired. You're gonna be shut down. We're gonna find out everything about you and we're gonna cancel you. So that's the Trojan horse of CRT. It goes by other names, diversity training. It moved then into diversity and inclusion, landing on diversity, equity, and inclusion, which is what they call it now. You'll see the acronym DEI. They'll have that in parentheses behind whatever they're calling it at your kid's school district because they really don't want you to associate what they're doing with the overarching umbrella of CRT. Now, let's look back just a hair more, because it's already embedded, it's been there since the 90s. But in the 2000s, they moved from the quiet little groups that would meet on teacher in-service days, they moved into a real push for white teachers to have what was then called courageous conversations. I remember this because in 2005, our daughter was uh, going into kindergarten, and the first day of school, when I went to drop her off, we walk into the building and there on the front table says, diversity committee looking for members. And I was like, well, I'm going on that. There's no way I'm not going to... I think they're going to want a gender-free bathrooms and stuff in my daughter's school and that ain't happening. So I went right on the committee and had a really good time on there, actually. It was funny because it was mostly black moms like me and we wanted to have discussions about test scores. (laughs) Why are the test scores for the suburban black kids lower than the suburban white kids? We never had problems testing. What's the issue? They wanted to talk about inclusion. So, We kind of took it over and did some amazing things, really had a good time there. Now, there were a couple of occasions where I was told, oh, we're having courageous conversations, and as someone who volunteers in the district, you might want to come and join in on this, it's really great. And I said, what will we be doing? And well, we're going to talk, and people will share stories from their lives where they think they might have engaged in racism, even unbeknownst to themselves, and others will share racist experiences that they've had, and we'll come together around those experiences. And you know I want to warn you, sometimes it gets emotional and people cry. And I said, I don't have time for that. And he was like, well, you, you, don't you want to engage with the teachers? I said, I do. I want to engage with them on the Curriculum and Instruction Committee, the Strategic Planning Committee. And then as a board member, when I was appointed to a seat on the board and then lost my election, kind of became a Tea Party nut, and then was elected to that school board, I wasn't interested in sitting around crying and telling white people, you're a racist, when I didn't even know them. These are people that I literally had never met before. So I didn't go, but I did learn about it. He gave me a folder with little handouts in it. And I read all of them, and I thought, this is just lies from the pit of hell. I'll never go to this meeting. So this courageous conversation movement has been basically a a new current example of what used to be called struggle sessions. Back when the communists were converting different nations from whatever they were into communism, they'd have struggle sessions where they got together groups of people and they would air their grievances and then They would struggle against each other, and that is a way to introduce division. People begin to notice the differences between themselves instead of uniting around the unity that we all have, and that kind of atmosphere foments anger, rage, and what is necessary to want to have a revolution. So we're doing the same thing here in America, only we don't need a revolution. The kind of prosperity and blessing that we have here in America should preclude that, but not when Satan is involved. Yeah, I said Satan. Who's, who's got something to say about it? I said Satan. OK. OK. So teachers have been subjected to these things. And I see it as a form of punishment. You have black teachers who are encouraged to berate white teachers and say, I don't feel safe around you. I don't feel safe around you. And they repeat that for a minute and a half, two minutes. The white teachers then cry and apologize. But they've never done anything to them. So it's just an exercise in creating more of that atmosphere of hatred. So. This entire movement has moved from administrators, teaching staff, and now it's your children. Now they're teaching the children how to be activists. Now they're teaching the children that they're either oppressors with privilege or victims who need to stand up to the oppressors. And this is damaging and it's completely ungodly. Now I asked you before, whose job is it to indoctrinate America's children? Does anybody want to answer? Yes. Okay. so it's the parents. (laughs) So what we do is we raise our kids up and send them to school and we think, well, I'm in the good school district, you know, they're going to church, they're in youth group, and all day at school, which is a nine-hour day, but only four to four and a half hours of that day are actual instruction, they're left with teachers who have been indoctrinated into this Marxist theory. So we've turned over the proper right commandment from God to teach our children the way that they should live, and the way means the way, which is Jesus Christ, we are to teach them in the way. But instead, we take them to church a couple of times a week, but we leave the bulk of their day every day for 188 contact days a year in the state of Missouri, probably a similar number for Illinois, and across the country, we leave that to other people. Now, I'm not against you putting your child in a school. Our children went to public school, and then Christian school, kind of a, um, uh, we just moved on after I was on school board and I saw the totality of what they, the control that they had. And then later, our oldest daughter decided to homeschool herself through her senior year. I told her I wouldn't call to homeschool, but she went for it anyway and did great. Um, and so, you know, I'm not against you dropping your kids off at school. This isn't about you know what choice you've made. It's about whether or not you're doing your job at home. So Mark 4, 24 through 25 says, "Consider carefully what you hear." He continued, "With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and even more." Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. So if you have the mind of Christ and you're already a Christian, but you're not training that to your children, it will be taken from them because you're not giving it to them. Christianity is an active type of a thing. It's not a passive thing that we just pass on in the blood, like, you know, different things that we pass on to our kids unbeknownst to ourselves. Like for me, I passed on an almond allergy that I didn't even know I had until my daughter popped up with it. Well, I pass that on to her without doing anything. But to pass the Christian worldview, to pass the biblical worldview, to pass the love of Jesus Christ, which surpasses all knowledge, to pass on the idea that she is created in the image of God and she was born for a purpose and that when she leaves my home, God has expectations for her and that she's gonna go do something, I don't know what, for Christ. I have to pass that on to her and it's an active activity. So I don't know how many people here have seen this movie but work with me. It's Thor, you guys, so it's Thor, okay? So remember back to when Thor, he's all riled up, he's he's young, he's a prince, he's got that hammer. So he goes to the frost giant world in the middle of the night to avenge an incursion into Asgard. He takes his band of, you know, they're all riled up too, they get down there, and they're at a point in their little battle where they're about to get toasted. They're gonna get wasted because the frost giants have all surrounded them. And then Thor's father, the Allfather, comes down in a flash of light on a black horse, reared up, and he has a conversation with the king of the frost giant world. And then the frost giant king is like, your son brought it to us, so now we're about to get it on. Let's let's do this, we're gonna crush you like bugs. So the Allfather, seeing no recourse, snatches everybody up, and goes back to their world. And when they get back to the little room where you know they have the beam of light where they travel, everyone else kind of leaves, and it's just Thor, his evil brother Loki, and the dad. And the dad says to him, you shouldn't have done what you did. I'm paraphrasing here. And the son says, I had to avenge our honor. The father says, no, we can't go around avenging our honor. And so they begin to have a very, very heated argument, and the son says, Thor says to the all-father, you're an old fool. And then comes the punishment. You can't call the all-father an old fool, even if you're his son. So he begins to chastise him. He begins to light up the little traveling device, and then he begins to tell the son that he's not worthy. And as he's speaking, it's basically a curse. Every bit of Thor's birthright begins to fall from him. The armor that's all over him, it's shiny, it's flashy, it looks fantastic. He's even got a red cape that comes from one side. The dad comes up and starts taking it off. And then he steps back and reaches for the hammer, which can only come to the dad or the son. He removes that powerful implement of war from him and says to the hammer, you can only be held by someone who's worthy, and then throws Thor and the hammer down to Earth, one of the realms, you know so what i'm saying to you is we have the opportunity to load our kids up with armor in the same way that thor was loaded up with armor before his father banished him so he could learn how to be worthy it's our job to teach our children how to be worthy not worthy of you know conquest in battle but worthy of the calling upon their life that is jesus christ so how do we put the armor on our kids well it's a daily effort. It's every time we memorize scripture together. It's every time we're walking or talking or getting up in the morning. That's what God's word says. It says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. So every minute in the minivan, every minute where you're cooking together, every minute where you've cracked a joke, if there's something on television that, because my kids, they already know what happens, but They're older now, so they don't have to put up with me pausing it and going, now, what's wrong here? Why is this woman, and I know we're in the house of the Lord, but the truth is the truth, why is that woman dressed like a whore? Why do we not dress like that? What is she triggering in all of the viewers who are men who see her dressed like that? If we don't tell them, they will not know. And their teachers aren't going to tell them because they want your kids dressed like that. They want your kids to think like that because that's how Planned Parenthood gets their mandate of three to six abortions for every woman of childbearing years between the ages that they're, you know, out in the world living. And and Planned Parenthood says it's open season when they turn 11. They want to start getting that into your kids, and that's why they have the CECAS programming that is already embedded in K through 12 education in America. That's what's going on. And we are kind of sitting back and we're watching our TikTok videos. You know, We're getting, getting, getting a little bit of laughter going on. And that's fine. I mean, be entertained, but after you've indoctrinated your kids. So a recent survey by the Cato Institute showed that 62% of Americans, are, are, they're afraid to share their political views. God has not given you a spirit of fear. The survey contained another starting revelation. 50% of Democrats told a survey person without any embarrassment at all, that if they found out a co-worker or someone that worked for them had voted for President Trump, they think that person should be fired. Now Democrats wouldn't be so bold if we put on the full armor of God and actually acted like who we are. We are a royal priesthood clothed in white, made right with the Father through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. We are his co-heirs. Clothed in him, under the shelter of God's wings, and anointed for this good work. We are conquerors. We are not weak. We are not afraid. We are not canceled. If you're saved, if you know Jesus Christ, you are eternally cancel-proof. You can't be canceled. So, you know, if they're coming for your job, Father, in the name of Jesus, I am your child, and you protect me. You are in control of what I do for a living and how much money I make. You are sovereign. If they come for this job, I know you have another one for me. If they come for this house, for this whatever, you have something else for me. He is in control, not Democrats, Republicans, you know, and I'm Stacy on the right, so I mean, let's put this in context. But I am, before that, I am a child of the king. I cannot be canceled. Because I know where I'm going when this is over, and they can't take that from me. No man can snatch you from the hand of your father. Your name is written on his hand. He numbers your tears. He numbers the hairs on your head. Anybody that's that interested in you, who also made the sun and the moon and the stars and everything that we see, he's the author of science. He's the finisher of this entire world. When you look at a peony and see the beauty of that flower, you're looking into the creation of the hand of God. He is right now creating other galaxies. Too many for us to number. And he is unconstrained by time. He is in all dimensions, even the ones we cannot access right now because we're not on the other side. Someone that is like that, who's on my side, who calls himself my helper. The word of God says he is our helper. He will not allow us to fall, that he will give us hind feet so that we can climb up sheer face rock. Anybody who says that about me cannot let me be canceled. So I can't be canceled. So, if we adults know that Democrats want to fire us if we voted for Trump, then we know our teenagers know that. We know this because our kids hear us, they hear every word that we say. So they are feeling suppressed by the sheer weight of the dissent. And it's our responsibility to ensure that they are being educated in an environment where they don't feel like they're in the minority and that they cannot survive. So that's up to you. You decide where they're going to go, but you make sure, I mean, you wouldn't allow your child to play at a playground where every time they went there to get on the swings, there was a bully there who was kicking them around. You wouldn't stand by and say, well, that's where my taxpayer dollars go for that, that playground, so not much I can do about it. Or I don't have time to be on you know, playground guard. No, you would be like, we're never coming here again. Or you'd go grab that kid and say, where's your parent? You wouldn't allow it. So why are we allowing it in schools? So. Most American public high schools are liberal indoctrination centers, and knowing this has propelled millions of parents to remove their kids out of public education, but we still have to fund the lunacy. You have the Democrats running amok, they oppose school choice, and so if you have knowledge, it's your responsibility to impart it to your kids, and it's also your responsibility to start showing up to these school board meetings in the same numbers that we showed up for Trump. One thing that I loved was those, those beautiful rallies, but one thing that I hate is that we can't seem to get that same kind of participation at school board meetings. Everywhere in this country for the past six months or so, where people have shown up with 150 of their friends to a school board meeting, they have replaced school boards, they have removed mask mandates, they have done amazing things. But you have to get your friends and show up. You can't just show up by yourself, and it can't just be the moms. The dads need to show up with those deep, booming voices and say, you know what, not today, school board, not today. You're not doing this to my kids. So you can't turn your kids over to the school district to do your job. God commanded you to raise them up in the way and if you don't do it, the result will be what we're seeing across the country, kids indoctrinated. If you do it, God is on your side, and he is going to supercharge those kids, and they will be wise beyond their years. They'll even be rebuking you when you're out of control. They will, because my kids do it to me all the time. Uh, they'll be like, Mom, what did you say? I'm like, ooh, man, you just checked me so hard right there. So Psalm 78:4 says, you will not hide them from your children, but will declare to the next generation, the praises of the Lord and his might and the wonders he has performed. So you're teaching them from the moment they're born. You're memorizing scripture. You're having them read extra things outside of what their school is assigning them. They're maybe not doing as many sports, right? We, we kind of worship sports. We have what's called the stadium experience. I, I, I kind of realized that this was a thing. Um, one Sunday we were driving to church and I noticed that there's these new soccer fields which now they're about 10 years old but at the time they were new and on Sundays they're packed to the gills with parents and their kids are playing soccer and I remember the same experience when our kids are playing soccer their coach would say we need to know that our team is first and so that means that if we have a game at 9 a.m. on Sunday we want you to be here you can't not be here especially if you're a starter so if you say well coach we go to church on Sundays then they start trying to negotiate with you and if you say no we go to church on Sundays then they just look okay but if you didn't, if you're not firm, they'll convince you that you need to be at the, the, the field on Sunday. And then, so I grew up in Germany, no baseball stadiums there. Um, and so one of my first experiences in a stadium was here, the old Bush Stadium. And we, we went to the game, we were sitting in regular seats, and it's time for the national anthem. And we all stand up and you could feel the wave of emotion just roll across that space as we sang the national anthem. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is, this is amazing. All the people singing in unison, unified purpose, unified mind, emotionally trained on one thing, which is love of America, patriotism, you know, and we're about to eat hot dogs and watch a baseball game. Um, so I'm, I'm thinking, if people are here, but they're not in church, they're missing out on that unified purpose, that unified Uh, praise and worship that we just experienced. We sang holy, 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 and we all directed our praise, worship, and energy towards the Father. You can get that same experience in a stadium, but you don't get anything back because, I mean, there's nothing wrong with it, but if that's all you're getting, then you don't even understand that you're supposed to be giving that worship and adoration to your Father on a regular basis. Praise and worship at home is a part of how we fight our battles, and if we're not doing that, then we don't have that connection. And we don't really feel like God is real. That's why so many Christians don't feel like, I don't know if he's real, I don't know. Yes, he's real. but when I mean, just imagine, for those of you who are married or if you have a best friend, imagine if you only talked to your spouse on Sundays and Wednesdays. Hour and a half on Sunday, two hours on Wednesday. What kind of marriage would you have? So we're the body of Christ. We are the church. We are married to him but we are talking to him twice a week. No wonder we don't have a good relationship. No wonder CRT is now rising up. It's the devil's handmaiden rising up within us. The Jezebel spirit is now in the White House, now all over our nation, all over our children. Why? Because we don't have a real relationship. We are supposed to be the salt and light. People are supposed to know that we serve the Father and that we are different. They're supposed to see us, and almost be jealous. What is that? What is it? Can, tell me what it is. And then we tell them, and they're like, oh, that doesn't even sound that hard. All I have to do is give my, give my life to Christ? <laughs> I'll try it. I mean, I, my, life, my life sucks. I need something. I need something. We're supposed to be telling them. We tell them where the buffet is and how to get in. That's what we're supposed to do. So the armor that Thor was wearing, that's our job, to put it on them. The Allfather did his job. He armed Thor up. He gave him experiences as a warrior that enabled him to sneak out of Asgard and go to the Frost Giant world and cause a lot of havoc, kill their biggest beast. I mean, he was was going pretty good, but he was just outnumbered. He was armed up well, but he wasn't wise. When Thor's father realized he wasn't wise, he didn't say, well, you know, kids are going to do what they're going to (laughs) do. Thor's just gonna be, he's gonna be like that. I might have to keep a little closer eye on him. No, he was like, oh, you can't wear that armor and be this irresponsible. So I'm gonna send you someplace where your physical body will not have the power that it has here you will be stripped of everything that I've given you for a time, so that you can learn to be worthy of the birthright that has been given to you. And that is what we're supposed to do, is pass our birthright as children of the King onto our children, so that no matter what they come up with, because they'll keep coming up with stuff. If we vanquish CRT, which I believe we can do, they will come up with something else to try to teach our children to worship their skin, uh, prosperity, government, They'll try to teach them that because that is their way. They serve their father, which is the enemy. We serve our father and we know the end of this story. If you haven't read or listened to Revelation on CD, do it today. Doesn't take long. Get you a CD, listen to Revelation, and get an understanding of what is really going on right now. What's going on in the Middle East? What's going on in the halls of the church houses here in this country where the churches are being winnowed out? It's time, my friends, to trim the wicks, to prepare for the coming of the Lord. He is coming on the clouds with fire. His robes will be bathed in blood, and he is coming for his church. And those who are ready, whose wicks are trimmed, who are dressed in their spotless gowns, will be allowed into the wedding feast, and we will feast, and the rest of this world will experience tremors and terrors and the tribulation. And we will not be here, because we will have been found ready and waiting for the king when he comes for us. That is your mission. I'm charging you. If you're here today, it's no accident. If you're gonna watch this online, I don't know what kind of you know broadcasting we're doing, but if you hear this out of my voice, you were meant to hear this message and you were meant to get your wick trimmed. Become ready for the father because he will be here and we want to go with him. We want our children to go. We want our husbands to go. We want every single person that we know Not to feel as if they were slighted by us because we didn't tell them the truth. And the truth is that he is coming. So we are commanded to arm our children with truth, righteousness, the gospel, faith, salvation, and the sword of the Holy Spirit. So look around. Are your children armed? If not, it's not too late. Use every moment that they're still with you to do it. We may have failed at arming them for a time. But God is able to do so much greater than we dare ask or think according to the power that works in us. All we have to do is make our minds up that we're gonna follow him and judiciously obey. Obedience brings the blessing. And the last thing I'll say, we have our last child graduating from high school on Monday. The last one, there's only three of them. And I'm so, it's like this real emotional roller coaster And I keep asking myself if I've done what I was supposed to do. But God is gracious. He doesn't expect perfection from us. And success is not ours. We are commanded to obey his word and the success is his. The results are his. So you're not condemned. You're not sitting here thinking, oh man, you know, I kind of I messed this up. It's never too late to ask God to step into a situation and watch him work because he can do all things. He is unable to fail. He cannot fail you. It is impossible. It is not in his nature. And therefore, all we have to do is ask. So we ask that we would be equipped to vanquish critical race theory. But more than that, we ask that he would enable us through the power of his Holy Spirit, Father, please help us to be obedient to your word, in indoctrinating our children and training them up in the way that they should go. And so I pray a blessing over these people, these are your people, and I ask you to bless them. I ask you to make them the head and not the tail, above and not beneath, known in the gates, give them favor with their superiors, their coworkers, and those who work under them, and that you would bless their families, that your blessings would run out behind them, chase them down and overtake them and run out before them, and that others in their lives would see those blessings and want to know what's going on, and that they would be led to you, and that you would bring revival to this nation. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
0: Amen. Thank you, Stacy Washington, for that insightful presentation. Stacy, could you take a couple questions? Sure, come up. I'm gonna mix in with a couple of you folks, if you have a question, a short question, <laughs> okay. but, and not a commentary. Uh, But let me ask you this, Uh, a lot of pastors don't have a clue about critical race theory, or maybe they know, and they're afraid to talk about it, especially from the pulpit. What's your advice to them, and maybe what's your advice to the folks who need to get a message to their pastor that they need to address this?
1: So, Vadi Bokum is a pastor, and he has done, he's written a book. He's also done a bunch of videos on YouTube about critical race theory. Our pastor actually has like a reading list that he updates every week. He tells us the books he's read or listened to on Hoopla or Audible, and then he recommended that we read Vadi Bokum's book. You can gift that book to your pastor. Also, send him the links and let him know um, what what's going on so that he can talk about it. Pray for your pastors that they would be imbued with a desire to step out in faith and not be worried about, you know, they themselves, many pastors fear being canceled, fear having their tax-exempt status taken away. And, and it's, I mean, in the natural, it's normal to fear that. But we don't live in the natural. When we really take stock of who we are and actually walk into the fullness that is the Christian lifestyle, this is an adventure. You are on an adventure. You are supposed to feel like you're an adventurer because the Bible tells us not to look at tomorrow and try to figure out what's gonna happen. So if you don't know what's happening tomorrow and you're partnered up with the almighty, is that not an adventure? Come on. So your pastor should have that feeling too. So give your your pastor the resources, pray for them. And, um, oh geez, his name is escaping me now, but he was a speaker at a pastor's breakfast that we did. And he said that when we get to heaven, We're going to be sitting around in our heavenly bodies, which may or may not have belly buttons. I don't know. But I know they won't be overweight. The bodies will not be tired. They will be created bodies. I can't wait. Anyway, he said, we're going to be sitting around and we're going to get to sit with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And we're going to get to like, you know, pal around with these biblical figures. And they're going to turn to us and say, so what was going on in your time? What kind of exploits did you do? Did you heal anybody? Like, what, tell me, what, what was it like in your era? Do you want to be sitting there in heaven in your heavenly body going, well, I mean, I really didn't do that much. I just, I knew I was a Christian and I was kind of satisfied with that. Or do you want to say, oh, we vanquished CRT. We took back America from the abortion, you know, demons. We, we vanquished abortion in Missouri, right? You want to say that, you want, you want to be like, yeah, I mean, I didn't part any red C's or anything. Like, I didn't part the C, but I did help vanquish abortion in Missouri, and then he's gonna be giving you a high five. We can't be sitting there with nothing to share, can we? I mean, I don't wanna be sitting there with nothing to share. I like sharing. I like, you know, I wanna be in. I wanna be like, yeah, fist bump, I did something too for Jesus.
0: Question? Okay, great. I'll
1: hold the mic. I haven't
2: formulated this very well. but what if you have pastors who are somewhat informed, basically because we told them about it, Um, we've done a lot of research on it, but they're like, yeah, we've seen this sort of thing, it's SBC, we've seen this back in the 80s, but it's not really a problem that we're dealing with right now um they, it, we get great preaching, um, and it's right on target with what's going on now, but the people in our church don't really it's like, what's CRT or you know, they don't gather that. They don't get it They don't get it. Um, we came from a church that was got way woke, and so we've been felt like the Spirit's been telling us to inform people. But anyway, so how do we kind of grab their ear so that they fight strong for the SBC?
1: Well, I I just I feel like when I'm facing a problem like that, I just pray to ask the Lord what he wants me to do. And sometimes it's something for me to do, and other times it's something that someone else is going to do. It's like I'm not called to be involved in that because he has something else for me to do. You have to be praying for your pastor to really take the, the, the mandate of being salt and light seriously and pray that your pastor would fall under the conviction of the knowledge that the judgment seat is where we'll all be held accountable. So we'll be held accountable as parents. Our husbands will be held accountable for our whole family, including, you know, the wife as well. Uh, pastors will be held accountable for their entire flock, what they taught them, how they brought them along in the way. And so just pray that that would be a real knowledge for your pastor. And then, of course, you can share it with, you know, get in your small group and share it in your small group, because sometimes it takes the congregation to get fired up about something, and then the pastor gets it. The church where I go, our pastor has been talking about this stuff for years. It's the reason why we started going there, because we just visited, and he was like raining down fire about a mass shooting and how it's the condition of the heart. And me and my husband had to roll our chins up off the floor, because I was like, is this man talking about current events? And then he went right into the preaching. And I was like, this is amazing. He's, he's, he's preaching fire from the word of God about our current situation, news of the day. So that can be any pastor. Um, but you, I, would, I would advise praying about it. And then the Lord will lead you in the direction that you need to go in. But our small groups are little, they're, they're little areas of where fires can ignite and things can change within a congregation. To prevent that wokeness from, from creeping in, that's where we really have to. That's why we have to be in a small group. We have to. Maybe,
0: maybe if your pastor doesn't get it, you go to the elders, put a bug in their ear, and they'll get back to the pastor. Anybody with another question? Anybody? You have a question?
2: Yeah. Um, this doesn't have anything to do with the pastors and the, this part, but um, my grandson is getting ready to go into a government school in kindergarten and they insist, my daughter and son-in-law, my daughter was home-educated her entire school, and they insist that the school board in the area that they're in, this small town in Southern Illinois, is kind of exempt and insulated from that. And I don't know how to tell them that this is coming down the pike, and they're so committed to their school board and knowing the school board and the teachers and thinking it's all okay, What? What? how can I address them? How can I engage with them on that?
1: Well, some of the most prolific volunteers when my kids were really tiny were the grandmas because we were in a district that was heavily Jewish and the Jewish grandmas do all the volunteering. The daughters volunteer but the grandmas do even more. So you're sitting here, you now know you are informed I would be volunteering in that building, especially in the younger grades, kindergarten first and second and third. You can be grade level grandma, you can do all of the, you can be the, the copy committee, you can organize it. Whatever they need in that building, you should be in there as often as possible, as often as your schedule permits, volunteering and pouring in and creating that relationship. And then with those school board members, never forget, you're paying for the building, the electricity, you're paying the taxes, or, or there aren't taxes on schools, but the the, every, everything that comes into a school building, everything that a school building is, and every person working in it, your money pays for it through tax dollars. So you own the building, the people who work inside are your employees, take charge of the people that work for you, including the school board members who are elected by you, get to know them, take them out to lunch, start emailing them things that they need to know, create that relationship. And I always believe in doing these things with friends. You must have some friends. All of y'all get together to create a group, get you a Google Doc going so you can share it and update it, start brainstorming, start relationships.
0: I think we have time for one more question.
3: Um, You
1: mentioned some of the
3: verbiage that's being used, diversity, equity, inclusion, um, critical race theory. What kind of terms can we be asking our school boards about that would give us clues that this is coming down the pipe and being implemented in our, our schools?
1: One of the words they're using right now is equity. So you want to use, you want to look for the word equity, go online and look on your kids, uh, the school district's uh, curriculum and instruction, and also find out what they're doing on their in-service days. Those are the days where they usually have this going on or they'll have a special get together in the evening where they'll invite teachers to come do these what I call struggle sessions because that's what they are. That's what everyone's calling them who's on the right. And you can get that, you can figure out what's going on. It shows up embedded in the curriculum. And they started. If you read the Rockwood School District story, which is from uh, Rockwood Schools in Missouri, I actually have some friends who are in that district. Who they are now, you know, the left is attempting to cancel them, and they're not. They're not. They're not putting up with it. They're not going to let these people yeah. cancel them, because they understand that it's their school district. So you can look at what they're doing, look at the content that they're putting on the website, and if they don't have it there, just go to them and say Sunshine Act request. I want to see and then ask for it. You might have to fill out a form, they might make you pay for the copies if it's a significant amount of paper, but you have a right to see it, unless it's held in closed session. Anything that is held in closed session for the school board is because it deals with contracts, uh, it deals with employees, or it deals with things that are not yet public because it's contracts or employees. So uh, outside of that, and you don't really need someone's disciplinary history, You're, you're looking for the stuff they're doing with curriculum, that's all public, you should be able to find out about it. And you can cut it off at the pass by simply, you're the dad, you're the head of the household, you're also a taxpayer. You just show up at that school board meeting and let them know, I, whatever you're calling it, if it, is, if it is connected to equity, we oppose it. And then keep showing up to those meetings. It's, some people are like, oh my gosh, I can't go to those meetings. Well, how much time are you spending on the internet? How much time are you spending, you know, doing whatever it is that you love to do, golfing, whatever? Go to the school board meeting. If you go there, you will learn so much. I remember sitting there thinking, I never knew that this little group of people did so much, and it's in public, but no one comes to the meetings, so. You
0: know, Stacy, I, I said that was the last question. Oh, questions. no, it's, it's, but w- it's great, w- yeah. We have a very liberal interpretation of last <laughs> question, So. <laughs> You know, (laughs) speaking of this, uh, real briefly, in a public school in the Chicago area, they just hired an equity advisor,
2: Mm
0: -hmm. making like 115 grand a year, full pension. Your tax dollars at work. Mm
1: -hmm. Stacy, thank you for coming. Um, I've been convicted in prayer to be light to them. And I brought my kids, we're from St. Louis County, and it's happening everywhere. And we are creating a statewide uh, coalition of concerned Christians of all races to come together to defeat this in Missouri. We'd like to know if you would be part of that. Um, I, I can't promise to attend a lot of meetings because I'm already pretty committed. Uh, I have a radio show that's in the evening and then I do my other work during the day. But I would definitely, you can email me. The contact form is on my website, StacyOnTheRight.com and I'll definitely um, look at what you are planning on doing. And if I can help in any way I can, uh, I will, but I, I just, that's what you're supposed to do. So you really, you don't need me. You just need to go forward. Just, just when you hear the voice, cause I hear it too. You can't do that. You don't, you don't feel well enough to do that. You, oh my gosh, can you do that? That's not something you can do. What makes you think you can do that? That's the enemy. He's trying to tell you, you need someone, you don't. You just need to gather the people around. There's a lady I interviewed who's a Democrat. I didn't even know it. She runs a website called defendinged.org. She's in Virginia. She's a leftist. She says she cannot believe that Democrats are pushing critical race theory. She's of Indian descent and she and her husband do very well. They're very well educated. She doesn't want her children taught that they're victims. So believe me, there's... There's, there's, there are other warriors out there that just need to be activated by you. She's running that website to track nationwide all of the incidences of children being indoctrinated in this way, and you can be doing something in Missouri, and there are already some groups started for that, so, I mean, just go for it. Don't stop, go for it.
0: All right. Well, David Smith is the executive director of Illinois Family Institute.
3: Um, one thing I wanted to say uh, is, you know, Stacy was saying, and, and the, one of the ladies over here was asking, Uh, about this coming down the pike. Even if you think your county and your school board is good, um, earlier this year, the Illinois legislature tried to stop the few Republicans that they have, a new rule from being promulgated uh, in the State Board of Education, which requires, in the teaching standards, for all incoming teachers and recertifications to be taught this stuff. They're gonna be taught it with the expectation that they turn around and teach it in their classrooms. So even if you think your school boards are good, even if you think your community is conservative, guess what, the colleges, the teaching colleges, they're rolling out social justice activists. So it's coming, it's, if it's not there already, which I suspect is, right? Uh, but it's coming even if you've held it off thus far. Thank you. Thank thank you again, Stacy. God bless you. Thank
0: you.